I will. Thank you. So, First <laughs> so John chapter 4, guys, we're going to start reading in verse 1. And it, it reads like this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Uh, we can stop right there and go home. <laughs> that is, that is a, a bunch of truth in one sentence right there. Uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How many of you know there's, uh, there are spirits that are not the Holy Spirit, right? There's, there's spirits that, that we deal with and spirits that can come against you. And there's, there's people that carry spirits, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's people that are full of spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit, right? So, so we, need to, we need to keep in mind that carrying the Holy Spirit is, is a privilege that's, that's due to Christians, right? And people who necessarily might portray themselves as Christians still may not be a Christian, right? So we've got to recognize that and know that. And we've spent a lot of time in 1 John uh, talking about this in particular uh, because he really writes this letter to the church to let them know that, hey, you've got to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You've got to be careful who you sit under their teaching. You've got to be careful who you turn on on YouTube, and, and allow to speak into your life. You've got to know who they are and what they're about. And there are certain ways to do that, which he really starts to dig into in chapter 4. So he says, test those spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the what? Of the Antichrist, right? So it's an Antichrist spirit. That means it's an anti-Jesus spirit. It's, it's not pro-Jesus, it's anti-Jesus. So, uh, which you have heard was coming, but is now already in the world. You are of God, little children. And uh, I love how John does that because he's writing from a fatherly perspective. So he's talking to the church and he calls the church little children, my beloved, uh, loved ones. You know, he, he uses that kind of language because he's talking to the church from the aspect of a father. You are of God, little children, and, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Right? That's a pretty famous verse that we quote a lot. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. Now, is that saying that, that they don't even uh, hear us when we talk? No, that's saying that they can't comprehend what we're saying, right? Because we speak a different language. If we're of God, we, we speak a heavenly language, right? But we speak a, a whole different dialect uh, when, we, when we have God within us. We speak of things that the world doesn't understand, all right? How many of you have uh, started talking about things maybe in the workplace or just in a, in a group of people and not everybody there was saved? And you began to talk about things of God 
and there were some people that just didn't even grasp what it was you were talking about, right? They didn't even understand where, where you were coming from. They were like, what, what does that even mean, right? They didn't understand that because they were of the world and not of God. It doesn't mean they won't have an opportunity to receive God and have the Holy Spirit to begin to explain to them to grow in those things. But uh, all of us started at some point in time before we gave our hearts to Christ, we were more of the world than we were of God, right? Uh, I'm sure there's some of you maybe that grew up in church as, as long as you can remember, and maybe you had never walked away from it, but there was a time and a season in my life where I was more of the world than I was of God. Uh, I, I knew and, and spoke the language of the world more than I spoke of the oracles of God or spoke of the language of, of being a Christian. So people of the world don't understand what we're talking about when we speak about things of Christ, right? Now, Jesus ran into that in the New Testament pretty often, didn't he? When he stood up in a crowd and said, eat my flesh, right, uh, the crowd's like, what? You know, when he, when he stands up, drink my blood, the crowd's like, what? You know, or, or he looks at the, the disciples and says, I have food you know not of, and they're like, well, where is he hiding it? You know, I mean, he spoke of things that were above uh, what people could understand at the time. So we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? Error, right? So he's mainly talking about two different spirits. He's talking about the spirit of truth, which is biblical, which comes from God. And he's talking about a spirit of error, which is the spirit of antichrist, which does not come from God, right? So John is writing from the perspective of a father, as I mentioned, but he's also writing from the perspective of the father. So he's speaking to the church as a father to the church, but he's speaking from the perspective of the father, speaking through him to the church. Uh, how many of you know he's, uh, fathers like to prepare you for, for what you're going to face in life, right? So, so as a father, some of us uh, grew up having fathers, maybe some didn't, but God, I believe, makes up the difference for what, where our earthly fathers may have failed. Uh, but I grew up raising, raising my kids. Um, I always tried to prepare them for the things they were going to face in the world. I always try to prepare them for things they have coming um, so that they know when, when stuff happens in their life, they, they kind of know what to do. Because dad has kind of prepared them for that, right? When they run into obstacles or they run into problems or they run into situations, what do you do in a situation like this? I like to think that maybe I've trained up my son pretty well that in most instances, uh, if a situation arises in, in now his young adult life, uh, he would know kind of how to handle it, right? He would know what to do. And then I still make myself available to him for those times that he doesn't know what to do, that he can call me and ask, dad, what do I do? You know, and, and he does that on a regular basis. And how many of you know that's a blessing? That, that's a blessing for him to call me and say, Dad, you know, what do I do in, in this situation? Uh, it's a blessing for me to be able to continue to speak into his life. But that's the same way that God the Father does for us, right? Uh, we have the Bible, and he has given us preparation, and he has given us his word to be able to tackle anything that comes into our life and be able to understand what to do in different circumstances and different situations. And then in those moments that we don't know what to do, uh, how many of you know we can still go to our Father? We can still call on him and say, Dad, what do I do? How do I handle this situation? And, and God will speak into your life and, and help you handle that situation. So we're talking about two different spirits, and one of the, that he's talking about is false prophets that have gone into the world. How many of you know that Satan counterfeits almost everything that God does? 
So everything that God does through people, in people, giftings he gives people, Satan tries to counterfeit that. So Satan, uh, if God has prophets going out into the world, Satan will send prophets out into the world. And a lot of times Satan's counterfeits, they don't come to you going, uh, I am a prophet of Satan. Right? They don't come to you and just say, hey, here's my business card, prophet of Satan, you know, nice to meet you. You know, it's not like that. Uh, typically an antichrist spirit or a spirit that's not of God will try to counterfeit or say that they are a spirit of God. Right? So when they come to you, uh, they, they may try to counterfeit the same thing and say that they are of Jesus Christ. Uh, but, but how many of you know not everybody that says they are of Jesus Christ is of Jesus Christ? So we as a church have to know how to understand and, and deal with people and be able to acknowledge what's of God and what's not of God. And we don't let things into our life that are of a different spirit, right? So we learn what the different spirit looks like, smells like, acts like, speaks like. Uh, so we, we know what the Holy Spirit looks like, sounds like, acts like in our life. So we know how to compare it to the other thing, right? So we know how to compare it to the counterfeit. How many of you know counterfeit money is made uh, because if it's successful, it's very profitable, right? People don't just counterfeit money for fun, right? Those people, that, you know, the criminals that <laughs> sit home and, and, and counterfeit money or do what they need to do to try to fake uh, money, you know, they do it because they're trying to get rich doing it. It's profitable. Well, counterfeiting the prophecies or the teachings of the kingdom, if it's successful, is profitable to the kingdom of Satan, right? So we have to know that Satan sends uh, false prophets into the world to try to trick Christians and non-Christians alike, to try to lead people astray because it's profitable to the kingdom of Satan. It's not profitable to the kingdom of heaven. And anybody that Satan can trick or deceive and pull from the kingdom of heaven is profitable to him, right? So he's stealing from, from Satan. So we have to know what that looks like, know what it smells like, and be able to tell the difference between the two. So verse 1, he said, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether or not they are from God. So in order to test the spirit, there's one thing that we have to have uh, working in our lives, and that one thing is discernment. We have to have discernment in order to be able to test the spirit to see whether or not it is from God or not, right? We have to have discernment. Uh, you may say, some of you sitting in this room may say, I have really good discernment. Like, if, when I meet somebody, I can tell you within five, ten minutes whether they're, you know, in tune with my belief system or in tune with, with me as a person or my worldview or not, right? We have, we have pretty good discernment. Uh, even if they're trying to, to play act a role to get into my life, I can pretty much discern in a few moments whether that's right or wrong, right? Some of you may feel that way. Uh, some of you may be sitting in this room, and, and maybe there's been times in your life that you've been tricked. Man, you've just been duped. Like somebody really just laid it on you. You thought they were one way and you found out they were another way, right? And you need to have more discernment. Uh, how many of you know that at, at no matter how uh, uh, far along in the walk with Christ you are, sometimes, uh, it, sometimes you get duped. I mean, sometimes people can take you for a ride and, and that's just true. Right? So it's always important for us to be aware that there are other spirits in the world. Right? And when somebody is claiming to be of the Spirit of Christ, we need to really discern and pray about whether they are or not. Right? Now, there's some people you know that you know. Right? There's people that you know that are in this room. You, you might be sitting next to them, and you know they're okay. Right? But if somebody new comes into your life and, and starts to speak into your life, you need to be able to discern in that moment, is that from God or is it not? 
right? Is that of God or is it not? And we don't just readily accept anybody that speaks into your life. If some random dude walks up to you in Winn-Dixie when you're pushing your cart down the produce aisle and says, you know, the, the Lord told me to come talk to you, and right? Uh, could that be the Lord? It could be. Could it be the devil? It could be. <laughs> right? We, we need to know. Right? So we need to be able to discern in that moment whether that's from God or not. So discernment is this. It's the practice of understanding the difference between good and evil or the difference between godly and ungodly or the difference between biblical and unbiblical. So having discernment is being able to tell the difference between the two, either the spirit of God or the spirit of Antichrist, right? Either the spirit of, of what's biblical or the spirit of unbiblical things. So we've got to be able to tell that. Hebrews 5.14 says this, solid food is for the mature, people with the power of discernment, practiced in distinguishing the difference between good and evil. So solid food. Solid food is, 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 is for the mature, the people with the power of discernment. So what is that saying? Uh, your, your discernment gets stronger the deeper the relationship that you have with God. So the more that you dig into Scripture, the more that you read Scripture, the more that you get away from surface Scripture and start digging deeper in Scripture into your life, the more discernment that you gain from, from reading Scripture, right? So Hebrews 5.14 says that solid food is a deeper dive of an understanding of Scripture, right? Now, when we first get saved and we first start to read the Bible, we, we pretty much go to the easy stuff. You know, we go to the milk, Right. We, and, and, and we should be right. We, sh we should be on milk when we're babies because because we don't have a full understanding of what the deepness of Scripture is when we're new or we're babes in Christ. But eventually, at some point, we've got to grow deeper. Eventually, at some point, we've got to get off the milk and get on the solid food. At some point, we got to wash the bottle and put it up in the cabinet and get out a knife and a fork and start chewing some steak. Right. At some point, we got to we got to dig a little deeper in scripture. So no matter where you find yourself in your walk with God, there's always opportunity for you to dig deeper in understanding and knowledge of the word of God. You could study this book for the rest of your life and not fully know everything that's in it. Right. You, you, I, I gain new understanding every time I read something. I may have read something 50 times. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit highlights something to me, and I gain new understanding in it the 51st time that I read it, right? God is always highlighting stuff. So going deeper, uh, maturing in Christ gives us more discernment. And then it says practice, uh, which is experienced in dealing and distinguishing between good and evil. That means the more that you discern what's of God and not of God, the better you discern what's of God and not of God. That you get practiced in that. Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is like a sword discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Right? It's a, there we go. It's digging back into the scripture. Scripture is how we learn discernment. 1 Kings 3.9 says this, Lord, give your servant wisdom to discern between good and evil. So there's two ways that we begin to gain discernment. Uh, we gain it through deeper diving and reading of scripture. And then we gain it through uh, prayer life and asking God to bestow upon us discernment and wisdom, things that we need to know. Lord, give me more discernment. If you're in this room tonight and you find yourself getting more duped than maybe other people, 
right? And somebody has come along, and, and there's been more instances where, where people have just, man, just blew your mind because you didn't see it coming. It's okay to start praying, God, I need more discernment in my life on who I allow to get into my inner circle, right? God, give me discernment before I bring people into my inner circle. Let me know if they're of you, if they were sent by you, or they were sent by the devil. Because how many of you know when God is going to do something in your life, he usually sends what? A person. But if the devil is going to do something in your life, he usually sends a what? A person. So we've got to be able to discern who that person came from. We've got to be able to discern that. And the, and the best, best ways are through deeper dive in scripture and prayer. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern the will of God, right? So that by testing, so by becoming more Christ-like, renewing our minds, we can gain discernment to know what is the will of God. That means the will of God may be certain people coming into your life, and the will of God may be certain people staying out of your life, right? But we've got to be able to discern what the will of God is by who, who comes into our life or who does it. So it's separating from thinking like the world thinks, uh, which goes back to the scripture we just read in 1 John, right? And spending more time with Jesus learning how he thinks. Now, I've been diving into some leadership stuff with the staff and the team lately uh, by Pastor Craig Rochelle out of Oklahoma. And uh, one of the things that Craig Rochelle talked about this week was if you see somebody that's where you want to be, Right? They're doing some things for the kingdom, man, that you just want to be able to do what they're doing. Maybe you just want to be able to do a fraction of what they're doing for the kingdom. And, and a lot of times what people do is they look at what they do and they try to emulate what they do. And Craig Rochelle said, don't try to emulate what they do because chances are you don't have the resources, the energy, the, the, the people behind you, the infrastructure to do what they're doing. But try to learn how they think. And if you learn how they think, then you can recreate how, how you think and you can change the things that you're doing for the kingdom and start to move and grow and, and do greater things. It's the same thing. When, the closer that you get to Jesus, you start learning how he thinks. The more time that you spend in the word of God in scripture, you learn more and more how God thinks. Right? And when you know how God thinks, it's easier to discern when something is not lining up with how God thinks. When something isn't lining up with what God says, right, it's easier to discern that. Uh, James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, and the wives said, elbow their husband, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach. Asking God for wisdom and discernment, right, in prayer. So, so reading our word, how do we get discernment? Digging into our word and spending time in prayer. The more that we dig into our word and the more that we spend time with prayer, when we ask God specifically for discernment, the more that we get, the more that he gives us, right? So part, how many of you know that part of discipleship is teaching people to seek discernment from God so that they can understand for themselves when things are of God or not? That's part of discipleship. It's how we should, uh, every one of us in this room uh, should be discipling somebody, right? Because that's, that's what scripture tells us to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing, the, the Great Commission. We're supposed to be making disciples, right? So as the church body, everybody in this room should be looking for somebody that they can disciple on some level. There should be somebody in your life. Now, some, some of you may be new uh, in Christ, but it doesn't mean that you can't still share your testimony. You might still have some growth to do, but you can still share your testimony and disciple to some extent somebody in your life. 
right? Some of you uh, have been long-term in the body of Christ. You have a lot of understanding in the scripture. You've spent a lot of time in prayer. You know you have a lot of discernment, but you're not discipling anybody, right? And that's, that's, that's something that you've got to change, and we've got to start discipling people in general as a whole, right? As a whole as the church needs to be discipling people, not just the pastors or the staff of churches, but the church itself should be discipling people on the regular. And everybody said? Okay, you with me? All right. So knowing the difference between a counterfeit gospel and a real gospel is knowing the real gospel really well, right? So, so I've heard this said before that the way they teach people uh, to tell counterfeit bills from non-counterfeit bills is, is not that they spend a lot of time studying counterfeit bills, but they spend a lot of time studying the real bills, Right? So they spend a lot of time studying the real thing so that when the counterfeit thing gets in their hands, they immediately know there's something wrong with it. They immediately know there's something different that it's not of God. Right? So it's the same concept in Scripture. And if we spend enough time studying the Word of God, we spend enough time in prayer, we spend enough time digging deeper, uh, if we do that, then the moment we encounter something that's not of God... There's some warning bells going off immediately. You immediately start to have some warning bells. Now listen, obeying those warning bells is a total different sermon. Right? Because you can have discernment to know something's not of God, but then you've got to have the willpower and the obedience to walk away when it's not of God. Right? So especially when it comes to romantic relationships. And everybody said, amen. Because that can be some of the hardest places to lose discernment. Uh, because how many of you know you can't see where you're going when the windows are fogged up? If the windows are fogged up, you're going to crash, <laughs> right? So you got to keep the windows clear so you can see where you're going and have discernment. So being obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit is important. So as we dig through this, the, there's parts of what we need to know uh, that part of discipling is learning to, how to seek discernment from God so that we can understand certain things. And the things that we understand when we seek discernment from God is what's right and what's wrong, right? Plain old what's right or what's wrong in our life. How many of you know sometimes baby Christians don't have a full understanding of what's right or what's wrong? But how many of you know that there's been people that serve Christ for 50 years that are still dealing with the same old sins? So there's obedience issues and discernment issues. Tonight we're just talking about discernment. At another time, we might get into obedience, right? We, 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 well, I've already been there a lot. but uh, So we need to know what's right or what's wrong. The second thing is we can recognize doctrine that is misleading. Right? We disciple people so that they can understand and recognize doctrine that's misleading. The third thing is that so that people aren't easily deceived by a counterfeit gospel. How many of you know there's, there's other gospels out there other than the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's counterfeit gospels that the spirit of Antichrist has sent into the world that have tricked a lot of people. There's a lot of people who get confused and wrapped up in something that's not of God. It's a counterfeit gospel. It's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's something that we need to know. And then the fourth thing is so we know the good and the perfect will of God for our lives. Right? So we, we gain discernment to be able to tell other things that are happening, but we also gain discernment to be able to tell what God wants to do in us. Right? So these are things that we do. So raising our kids to have discernment is different than sheltering them. Amen? 
Sometimes uh, in the body of Christ, uh, what we do is we see so much bad in the world that we just want to shelter our kids, right? And we just keep them from, from knowing, uh, experiencing, being a part of, being close to, or seeing the things that are in the world. There's a difference between sheltering kids and, and discipling them to have discernment, right? Sheltered kids are naive. Has anybody ever run across naive people? Right? And chances are they were sheltered a lot growing up. Right? They didn't understand the things of the world. They weren't told about the things of the world. They weren't taught to discern the things of the world. And they're naive to the things of the world. Right? So there's a difference between raising our kids to be, have discernment and raising our kids to be naive. So sheltered kids are naive. Discerned kids or discerning kids are innocent but not naive. I mean, even though there's a difference between being innocent and being naive. Right? So, so why are you getting on, on parenting there? Because what we're, what we're talking about today is God parenting us. Right? And God doesn't shelter us. He tells us what's of the world, what's happening in the world, what we need to separate from in the world, and then teaches us how to discern the difference between what's from him and what's from the world. Right? So God doesn't shelter us. He, he disciples us to have discernment. So, so John is teaching the church in this book to be discerning of the things of the world. That's what we've got to do. So discerning Christians are maintaining holiness without being naive to the devices of the enemy. So we maintain holiness without being naive to the devices of the enemy. That means we're able to discern what's good and, and perfect will of God in our life. Right, and then we choose to be obedient to that discernment. Right, man, I'm hitting on obedient a lot. I think Pastor John needed to hear this tonight or something. No, I'm, I'm teasing him. <laughs> so, so Paul Paul is saying to the church, don't indiscriminately accept everyone who says they are a prophet from God. And and we we look at. We look at what's happening in the, in the world today, right? There's a lot of talk about prophets, uh, especially in the Christian realm uh, because of the last election, the things that have been going on. There's, been, there's a lot of talks about prophets because there was a lot of prophecies that were given in the last election that didn't happen, right? So, so, so when those prophecies didn't happen, there's a lot of talk about, well, should we take those prophets out and stone them? You know, there's, there's people saying that. Uh, there's Jeremiah Johnson, who's a, who's a really well-known prophet uh, in the United States, who came out and repented and said, man, I, I prophesied this, but it was out of, it was out of emotion. Uh, I thought it was from God, but it wasn't, and I repent, and I place myself under leadership in my church to, to get better and make sure that that doesn't happen again. And then what happened is there was a segment of the church that came against him, and even up to the point that he got death threats from Christians, Right? It's like, man, people are just coming against so there's, there's a lot of division happening in the body of Christ. And, 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 and it's not biblical, right? So people are coming against them. How many of you know that what John is talking about here with false prophets is not somebody who prophesied out of emotion and got it wrong. What he's talking about is somebody who had a wrong spirit and an intent to deceive the people, right? So the spirit of Antichrist knows very well that it's prophesying wrongly. 
The spirit of Antichrist knows very well where a, a prophet in today's day and age may get it wrong and may need to repent and sit down for a time and, and hear God closely and spend some time in prayer and repentance to get it back right. Uh, but there's a difference between that and a prophet who steps out and says they are a prophet of God, but really they're carrying another spirit, which is a spirit of Antichrist, and they're trying to deceive people to pull them out of the church and into something completely different. Right, So we've got to know that there's a difference between the two, and the difference is intent. The difference is intent. So, so we are a discriminating church, right? John's calling us to be a discriminating church, that when we hear uh, prophecies that we, we discriminate, right? We, 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 we listen to it. We pray about it. We see if it lines up with the Bible. We see if it lines up with God, and we really look at that. But it's, it's not saying it, just because we're called to be a discriminating people doesn't mean that we're called to be a critical people, right? Sometimes what happens in the body of Christ is we begin to get so discriminating that we become critical of people before they've even done anything wrong, right? That's why you have so many people that are really going after uh, well-known preachers, Right, if they have one little one little misstep in their wording online, it gets played over and over and over again in a segment of Christianity to prove that they're a false preacher. Right? Or they're 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 preaching a false gospel because they had a little misstep of a word and they're and they're taking clips out and, and doing that. And that's happening in Christianity all over the place. Can I tell you, church, we got better things to worry about. Right? We need to be focused on the kingdom of God and focused on unity as a church body instead of trying to fight and squabble amongst the different segments of Christianity. Right? We've got to know what's a spirit of Christ and what's a spirit of Antichrist and discern those things and, and keep a spirit of Antichrist out and not, and not be uh, so discriminating that we're critical of men and women of God even when they fall or make a mistake. Right, it's something that we've got to do as a church. So, so what do we do? How do we discriminate? We listen to their words. We discern the spirit behind them. And then sometimes if that joker walks up, not a joker, I'm sorry. If, if, that, if that person walks up to you, I don't even know where that came from, Brian. If that, if that person walks up to you in Publix and you're, buying, you're just trying to pick out some cucumbers and some tomatoes and they say, hey, I've got a word from God. If somebody gives you a word from God, what are you supposed to do? Take it. Say thank you. Compare it to scripture. Is it biblical? Pray about it. Is it, is it of you, God? Discern the spirit behind it. Find out if it's of God or not. And then follow it to a T. No. You wait for confirmation. Because typically if somebody speaks a word into your life and, and it's from God, God's going to confirm it in a couple other ways. Every time somebody has spoken a word into my life, I've gotten confirmation on that word when it's been from God. And when it's not from God, it just kind of floats away. Right? So there's, there's always confirmation that comes. Uh, we have a prophet that sits in our church. Right? Prophet Tim Hines, he's a, he's a nationally traveled prophet. He speaks all over the United States. He's gone uh, a lot of the year just traveling and speaking to churches. I know him, and I have a relationship with him, and I trust him. Right? So when he speaks a word to me, I've already been in relationship with him to discern the spirit behind him, so I, so I receive that word. Uh, but even if I receive a word from him, being in relationship with him, I still look for confirmation from God to make sure that that word is right. Right? So I always use the verbiage, put it in your back pocket, and wait for God to bring confirmation. Uh, I was talking to a young man one time, and, and, uh, and he shared with me, he said he was going to go into a certain field of, uh, of work. 
and it was a very odd field of work, like a really strange job. And I said to him, I said, wow, that's, you know, that's unique. I don't think I've ever ran into anybody that said, you know, I'm going to go do this. And I said, uh, what makes you want to do that? And he said, well, I was at the altar one day, and this guy came up to me and spoke it over me that I was supposed to do that for a living. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, did that confirm in your spirit because you'd already been dreaming about it and thinking about it? And he goes, no, I'd never had that thought before in my life. I said, okay. I said, well, then in the next few weeks or months or years after that, I said, did you get some confirmation from God that that's where he wanted to go? And he was like, no. I said, so you're changing your whole life and going into this weird line of work because one person told you one time in the altar that that's what you're supposed to do. He goes, yeah. You know, that's not discerning the spirit behind what the word was given to you. So we have to be a discerning people and we have to recognize and pray through and stick in your back pocket and look for confirmation before you apply things into your life. Now listen, I'm not talking about uh, the difference between somebody speaking into your situation and immediately you know it's God. Right? There's times that God uses somebody to speak me- immediately into your situation and you're like, and you start like bawling like a baby and ugly crying because it hits you right where you're at. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody says to you, uh, you're called to preach. And you go, man, I've never thought about that. If you've never thought about that, never felt a tug for that, you need to pray through before you ever decide to go do that. You need to make sure God indeed wants you to do that, right? These are, these are things in your life that you got to pay attention to. Now, I know Tim Hines. He's a friend. I've discerned his spirit. I received that one time. Uh, I was in the dealership. Uh, I was in the car business, and I was sitting behind my desk. And, and it was the, happened to be the, it was a Wednesday night, and I was supposed to preach my first sermon ever that night. So I was sitting behind my desk, I was working, but I was thinking through the process of what I was going to preach that night and what I had been working on, and I was trying to get ready for it. And one of my sales guys comes, knocks on my door and says, Steve, there's a man out here that wants to see you. I said, oh, uh, who is he? Uh, he calls himself the prophet Rosenwein. And I said, Wow. God sent me a prophet in the car dealership. <laughs> That's really odd. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And I'm like, well, okay. And uh, so I, I went and met with a guy and brought him into the office and sat down. And, and I said, well, how can I help you? And he said, well, God sent me specifically to disciple you. And I said, great. I need some discipling. That's awesome. If God sent you, yes, I need some discipling. And I said, so tell me, what does that look like? Well, you know, I've been discipling another pastor in town, and, and he's really just uh, gotten off track. Uh, so God told me to take his wife from him and, and begin a relationship with his wife and take her away so that he would be chastised and understand. And I said, stop right there. Because immediately, five minutes into the conversation, I heard something that didn't line up with God, didn't line up with the Bible, was something I totally knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that could never be God. And then I grabbed that little old guy by his shirt collar and I tucked him out of the showroom and kind of shoved him down the front steps and said, have a good day. Right? So there's sometimes the enemy will, how many of you know, I was supposed to preach my very first sermon that night. And the enemy sent somebody into my life to try to create division and turmoil and confusion in my mind, trying to preach a false gospel to me to get me off track, right? So the moment you, you, you run across something and, and you recognize something is wrong and it's not of God, separate yourself from that situation immediately. Don't sit and still try to encounter it. If the Jehovah Witnesses come to your door and they knock, don't invite them inside for tea. I don't care how well you know the gospel. 
Don't do it. Just don't put yourself in that situation because you know the spirit of Antichrist is behind that because they're a cult. And if you're not aware that they're a cult, I'll be happy to give you information so that you can study for yourself so that you know and find out they are a cult, right? But if you were here a few weeks ago, we kind of talked about that anyway. Uh, But it's something that we have to know. There's a spirit behind every prophet, but it's not always the spirit of God. And in that instance, that spirit was not the spirit of God. So how many of you know this doesn't just count for prophets, but it counts for teachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles, uh, anybody within the fivefold ministry. Uh, it counts for people that try to come alongside and prophesy to you in the parking lot, you know, when you go out to your car. Uh, listen, we're a Pentecostal church, and a lot of times we get cereal people, fruits, nuts, and flakes, right? That's just true. It's just true because we have, we have a lot of freedom. Right, And when you have a lot of freedom within service uh, to move in the spirit, sometimes it invites people who are moving in different spirits. Right, um, So when that happens and somebody tries to prophesy to you in the parking lot when you've got your car half open and you're trying to go to lunch with your family after Sunday service, understand that's probably not the right place. And if they're prophesying to you in the parking lot, they're probably of the wrong spirit. Now, that's not to say that it can't be God. But that's saying that's a moment to understand that if this guy caught me in the parking lot when I'm by myself, uh, I probably need to be more discerning in this moment. I need to probably perk my ears up and listen for something that might be wrong. Uh, Chances are, if it's God, a dude isn't going to follow a woman out to her car and try to prophesy to her hanging through a driver door. If you're a dude doing that, stop it. That's not how you get a date. Quit prophesying and prophesying to try to get a date, right? Probably nobody in here, but maybe online, right? Stop that. So it's something that we need to know. So how do we discern prophecy? How do we know that prophecy is from God or not? Uh, First of all, prophecy that's not Christ-centered is immediately disqualified. Prophecy that's not centered on the the person and, and power of Christ is immediately disqualified. If it's prophesying anything else other than Christ, uh, if Christ is not at the center somewhere, uh, it's disqualified. So the heart of true prophecy is Christ himself. Where do we find this? In Revelation 19, 9 through 10. Then he said to me, and he was an angel speaking, uh, speaking to John. He said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I, I being John the Revelator, fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is at the center of all prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is what prophecy is about. So the word prophecy defines the Bible and confines all prophecy. So all prophecy must line up with scripture and must have Jesus somewhere at its center to be real and to be true. And if Jesus isn't at the center of it and it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's a false prophet from a a false prophecy from a false prophet. Okay, so that's something we need to know and understand right off the bat. So John distinguishes in verses two through six, the spirit of truth from the spirit of of error on whether it is centered on the sinless glory and the servanthood of Christ. 
So John echoes in that epistle that prophecy needs to be centered on the personhood and the, and the, uh, the sinless glory and the saviorhood of Jesus and who Jesus is. And that's where prophecy needs to be centered in. Now, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 says this, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul is, is talking uh, to the Galatians, and he says, I, I, I can't believe that so soon you're already turning from Christ and listening to different gospels. He said, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. How many of you know that's still happening today? We still have people trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But the gospel of Christ has never changed. It's remained the same, right? So people are still trying to pervert it. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, Paul says, even if I preach you a different gospel, he says, understand this, uh, let him be accursed, right? He starts to get serious, right? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is actually calling a curse down on people who are preaching another gospel other than Jesus Christ under the auspice that they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today it is still happening. There are still preachers today that are preaching other gospels in order to get wealthy. There are preachers today that are preaching other gospels in order to gain followers. There's preachers today that are preaching other gospels in order to gain power. And they're prophesying other prophecies, but it's not the Spirit of God. It's prophesying what people's itching ears want to hear so that they give money and power and attention and time to these men. And they are false prophets preaching a false gospel, and we are not to, 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 to have anything to do with them. We've got to be able to understand what is from the gospel of Christ and what is not. We, church, have to continue to grow and get deeper in the Word so that we understand what's of God and what isn't. Amen? Amen. So how, how about this? If you want to know if a teacher, preacher, doctrine is correct, we start by asking about Jesus. So if you run across something that's just brand new to you, the first question that you should ask is, what do you think about Jesus Christ? That's the first question that you should ask, right? And if they give a wrong answer to, to what you know about who Jesus Christ is, get away from it. Don't let it wrap itself around you in your life. Don't let it become intertwined into who you are. Get away from it immediately if it doesn't line up with who Jesus Christ actually is. Here's some examples. Uh, well, what would you say uh, who Jesus Christ is? And the person says to you, well, I'm Jesus. That's a cult. Walk away. Amen. Do I need to repeat that one? Right. And, okay, David Koresh, I will see you later. You know, that's a cult. It's going to end badly, right? Probably with the FBI and some grenades, right? It's, gonna, it's not going to end well. You know, if he says he's Jesus, get out of there. Uh, what if you're speaking to somebody and they're talking to you about their religion or their, their church or their body of believers, and you say, who is Jesus? And they say, well, we believe Jesus was a good man. Get away from it. Don't invite that into your existence. Don't invite that into your life because that is not uh, of God. It's not biblical and it's wrong doctrine. If you ask somebody who was Jesus and they say, well, he was the devil's brother. If he says that, they're probably uh, either Mormon or Jehovah Witness. It was one of those two. And they say, well, he was the brother of Satan. 
right? And now there's a battle between two brothers, a bad brother and a good brother, right? If they start preaching another gospel that doesn't line up with what you know in Scripture, get away from it. Walk away. If they say, well, he was just a man, but eventually he did so much good that he became spiritually enlightened and became a god himself. If they said that, they're probably a Mormon. And they're probably really nice people. But they're still of a spirit that's not of the gospel. It's a different gospel. So you've got to get away from that. Amen? What if they say, well, we believe Jesus is God. He's a second in the, second in the Trinity. He was born of a virgin. He always was, always is, and always will be. He's the only way to get to heaven. He's a son of God. He's the savior of all mankind. Okay, we can talk some more. Right? You line up with what I know. You line up with my spirit. Okay, we can, we can continue to, 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 to kind of fellowship. Okay? You're a Christian. Now, I'm not saying you don't have anything to do with anybody who has wrong doctrine. Don't believe what I'm saying is you don't wrap yourself up with them. You don't get people with wrong doctrine into your inner circle. Because what happens is it begins to twist your thinking and what you believe, and it begins to stretch out, and you would be surprised at how quick and how a firm Christian in the wrong environment can begin to have wrong thoughts, right? You think a, a firm Christian can't fall into sin? A firm Christian can totally fall into sin. You think a, a, a good, solid, long-term Christian can't fall into deception? Absolutely, you can fall into deception. That's why you don't put yourself in the situation to, to, to fall into deception or sin. So it's something that we need to do. So prophecy needs to be Christ-centered. Um, two, or, or next, people can have the wrong doctrine with the right disposition and lead people astray. I'm going to say that again. People can have the wrong doctrine, preaching another gospel, a false gospel, but have a right disposition, and people follow them. Man, they're just so charismatic. Man, they just, they're so loving. Man, they're just so kind. Man, they're just so cool. I just love listening to them talk. But they're not preaching the right gospel. Right? So we've got to understand that people who preach the wrong doctrine can still have a right disposition and pull people away. We've got to understand that. Uh, we like people sometimes, so we want to believe them. Right? Man, I was so disappointed uh, in this week when uh, Steve Harvey is somebody. I, man, I love Steve Harvey. I think he's hilarious. He's funny. I, I really like the dude. And, and a lot of times I've, I've watched some video clips of him just kind of talking about God. You know, man, and it sounds so good. And it sounds so cool. And he's like, you know, God will bless you. And if you just live for him and put God first, he, he's saying all this stuff, man. And it sounds so good. And then this week I hear a video clip of him. Uh, in the Middle East somewhere with Muslims praying to Allah in the background. And he's teaching people on this YouTube clip that, hey, man, these are our brothers and sisters, too. They believe in the same God we believe in. There's many different ways to get to heaven. Right? And when that came out of his mouth, I was so disappointed because then I realized he's of a false spirit. He's preaching a wrong gospel. Right? And I like him. But I ain't going to listen to his talk about religion anymore because he ain't right. Oprah Winfrey, likable, loves people, has a wrong doctrine. She believes there's many different ways to get to heaven. But we know that Jesus is the only way. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's easy to recognize these things, but we've got to understand that people can have the right disposition, be likable, lovable even, but have a wrong doctrine, and we need to be able to recognize it. Uh, here's another flip-flop of that. Some people preach the right doctrine with the wrong disposition. 
I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> How many of you know preaching the right gospel with the wrong disposition will still run people off? You can have the right gospel with the wrong disposition and send people to the wrong gospel with the right disposition. Right? We've got to understand that there's two, two, two parts to that, which we'll pick up in verses 7 through 11. So, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That our, our walk needs to be wrapped up in truth and love, intertwined, right? How we deal with people, we tell them the truth and love. We deal with them in love and in truth. So the basis of the rest of 1 John in chapter 4 says this, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and in his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but what? Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a what? He's a liar. John gets serious sometimes. John is loving. John is the, John is the ultimate preacher of love in the scriptures. Talk, talks about love so much. But he also calls people a liar a lot. Right? He said, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. So in this, in this chapter, as we dig through, there's, there's three truths that we find that we need to apply to our life. As, as we leave here, as we go out, as we go into the world, as we deal with people, right? as, as, we, as we listen to celebrity culture, how many of you know, we as Christians, we get so excited when somebody mentions God in an acceptance speech. But it's not always our God. Right? Uh, Lauren Daigle, love her music. Beautiful music. Wonderful voice. Was online and, and, and was heard saying there's multiple ways to God. Right? People get wrapped up in deception, man. You get around the wrong people, you get deceived quick. So watch your inner circle. Minister outside your circle. Don't invite people with the wrong 
spirit, the wrong gospel into your inner circle. Don't let them have access to your life, right? It's something that we need to know. So, so in relationship with Christ, there's three things that happens that we need to take with us tonight is this. We, need, we get protection through discernment. God gives us discernment to protect us, right? So we get protection through discernment. We get boldness to speak the truth. That means when we encounter a wrong gospel, we need to call it out. We call it out, man, appreciate what you're trying to do. That doesn't line up with the word of God. I'm out. You have boldness to speak the truth. Third is we have the power to love each other well. And it's all wrapped up in relationship with Christ. Amen.